Morning, Barb. Hey there, Karen. I just love this weather. Now, I'm not going to brag, <laughs> but I want to tell you, as of Wednesday, October 16th, I had my garden put to bed. Uh, Barb, uh, what are you doing the rest of the weekend? Come on over. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I don't have mine put to bed. I've been I, working piece by piece, but it it's been it was the best weather we've ever had for doing these kinds of things. Now I do have a half a pickup load of things that need to go to Third Avenue and to be delivered there. But as I was telling my husband, there might be something else that I have to cut off and put in there that's buggy. I want to share something with you. So when I was finishing my cleanup, uh, you know where my greenhouse is at, and I have this big Paul's Glory hosta there. Right. I mean, and it's, your, Barb's it's, greenhouse is attached to her garage. So right. It's, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so this is a very small garden that's in there. Yeah. And, and so I was picking up the, uh, the statuary and things that I had out in the garden that would break if you leave them out there. Mm-hmm. And I had this one thing on a clay pot that I turned upside down and I had it mounted on there and the clay pot wasn't any more than I would say a one quart size okay and I turned it over and and full of slugs I was gonna I, that's what I was gonna guess because it has I, been the year of the slug right I was so shocked <laughs> so yuck. I decided to quick get something and uh, put them into a container <laughs> and I counted them oh. I got my 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 plastic gloves on there was 13 of those so I thought okay so I use my um hori hori knife and of course <laughs> this is my favorite thing I put them on a brick and then I just chop them up fine and they're done it's just like um there's some satisfaction <laughs> and and was it like escargot yeah it, well yes you didn't eat it did you, you didn't eat it but no. did I tell you what Blake does Blake says I'm going to garnish them and he sprinkles salt on them yeah well you know I was wondering not in we don't eat them by the way if, <laughs> I was wondering if they contain um eggs yet are, oh. are they still capable if you leave them on the soil, if you kill them? Are, that, oh. that, are they capable of, you know, producing? I don't know. But That's a good question. So I thought, okay, I'm going to leave this pot out here. I'm going to turn it over again and see what happens. One hour later, I checked. I had five more slugs. Now, <laughs> th- th- so that makes 18. So then... Um, uh, oh, I left and and I didn't check again till the next morning, and I had another ten. Now I have thought maybe this is a way to make slug traps. <laughs> the the soil was very wet where this was at, and and there they were. They were all buddied up underneath this thing, trying. I suppose to get out of the cold. Or wet. they're mating, probably trying to make more slugs. Well, that could be it too. But they obviously like clinging to the sides of this clay pot. So now I've taken 31 slugs out of there, and they just keep coming. So I thought, hmm, maybe what I have to do is buy all my hostas. I have to put clay pots and keep that soil a little moist, and maybe they'll go up there. I don't know. Well, it is kind of like putting the board out and, you know, putting a little moisture under a board. They like to go where that that moist stuff is. So, I mean, that might... 
Yeah, so, well, we'll see. And, you know, what else do you do with these clay pots? Because it seems like you get so many, and they're heavy, yeah. and you start using things that aren't quite so heavy to use. But So that was my experience well, with that. Well, I have a lot of broken clay pots. Uh, I wonder if you just laid the clay pot material on Yeah, I should try. You know, that's not a bad idea just to try. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I had a bunch of broken seashells, and I also found... Uh, slugs under those so uh, well now they're trying to get moisture and it says pretty much uh, slugs lay eggs anytime they feel like it once they are mature enough and the temperatures of around 40 degrees or above so 40 degrees or above they can still lay eggs oh, and they wow. can lay as many as 500 eggs a season but usually in clusters of 20 to 30 at a time the eggs tend to be much more resilient and hardy than the parents and can withstand drought and freezing temps easily in colder climates it's the eggs that survive winter while the adults tend to perish hmm. so it says with the cooler and moisture weather of fall a lot of eggs are produced and the, they hatch as the temps warm in the spring just when the ba banquet of emerging succulent plant growth is laid out for them look for eggs as you do your fall cleanup and destroy them to reduce the spring populations and it won't hurt to put out sluggo or some similar eco-friendly bait now to eliminate whatever the adults are lurking about uh, over once your weather turns really cold that will take care of many of the adults but not the eggs, eggs. so i don't yeah. know what the eggs look like i should see what what does a slug egg look like i bet it's uh very, very small, probably. Well, that's what I'm thinking. How are you going to even see it? Yeah, identify them. Well, I, there's a picture. I see a picture, and it looks like a bunch of gelatinous little things. I mean, how would you see those? There. No. How? You know, I did see in my soil. I did see something that was slimy, and I thought it was a decaying slug. But maybe that Whoa. was. It says slimy. They look like brownish. Look for brownish gray slimy bundles. And that's the slug. I bet you, you know, I found some of those too thinking they were a slug, but that yeah. might be it. It says a flashlight is a good tool for snail egg identification. Be sure to check under leaves too, as both the animals can cling to almost any surface, which we, we know. Yeah. So, so, well, looking okay. for eggs. Yeah, And I think the reason they go up in the clay pots is probably because the, the, it's warmer in and there. Cool. Yeah, well, and cool. And moist. The, yeah, and moist, right. So, um yeah. Well, you know, I now we learned something about, I had no idea that they were still laying eggs. Uh, I have been cutting some of my hosta leaves off in the past. I haven't, but with all the slugs we've had, I've cut them off and I have been sprinkling sluggo around. I didn't, hadn't um, learned that. I just thought, well, it can't hurt, right? So that's right. what I've been doing. I, I hadn't, I, I had stopped with the sluggo, but you know, maybe it's just like, um, uh, yeah, let's, if they're going to keep laying eggs, we, we better, because when we have those warming days, they probably come back. They probably, the uh, slug probably can go dormant, and then when it warms up, there they are again. They're laying more eggs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I did, I did something really fun on Saturday. I was ready to uh, go on a little trip, and we went up to the cities to our HOSTA, State HOSTA Society's yeah, meeting. Yeah, how was that? Oh, Karen, it was absolutely wonderful. You know, let me just say this before I forget. Uh, when the State HOSTA Society meets and they bring these international speakers or, or national speakers in, those programs are always free. Anyone is welcome to come. You don't have to be a member. So if you go online and you look at the HOSTA Society, State HOSTA Society, you'll find out when these meetings are. Well, this one, they had brought in a speaker from London, England, uh, Mike uh, Shadrach, and he talked about 
eight different English gardens, and he had pictures. And the one that I was most interested in taken with was um, uh, Prince Charles's garden. Prince Charles and Camilla love hostas. And Do they, they tend it themselves? Well, are you kidding me? Well, that's why I was wondering. Yeah, right. Probably so, not. Uh, they, um, our speaker said they enjoyed talking about it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but here's what they had, and here's what he had pictures of. When they uh, put in this garden, which was a new garden, they went to a place outside of London, and they had uh, taken trees that had uh, uh, come down, and there were these massive roots. Some of these roots of these trees were over 200 years old. Wow. Now, can you imagine a root, how it would sprawl out? Oh, yeah. They had them transported. What? To th- yes, transported to this garden, and they planted. They were turned upside down, so the so the uh, largest part is at the top, and they had planted hostas in there. Wait, so this is a tree we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah we're talking about the root, and so you have the stump too, yeah. a little bit of the stump, and then this massive thing. It has this kind of look of uh, spooky. Yeah, you know, eerie, haunted, yeah. you know, that type of a look. and uh, So it's like a giant vase then? Uh, it, it, kind it, of? It, it's, it's, but he used several of these. Wow. And they were staged, and huh. there were some rocks in there too. It it was a very quirky kind <laughs> of look for hostas. And uh, and the rest of the gardens he, were, he had were like country gardens and... Um, uh, what they call rookery, which is their rock gardens, okay, and using hostas. And one of the things that he suggested, he liked lots of color, and he still likes hostas. And he said allium, which is, you know, the flowering onion plant, right. that planted between the hostas is such a good thing. Oh, Be- do, but I thought they needed more sun. Well, I, Apparently not. I'm going to do that because they might d- deter slugs too because they're, you know, onion maybe. That's very possible. But don't plant them as a single specimen, you know, oh. three, four, five at a time. But also, if you if you just had one, they do um, develop more bulbs very, very quickly. So mm-hmm. we try that. So I had uh, done some digging, and I took some out, and uh, I did that in one area of my garden just to try and see how that looks. But he said that gives you uh, some color and some height in there and breaks up that, that flatness, that carpet look. Oh, you know, I might try that because you can still get bulbs, and it's you can still plant them this fall. Absolutely. And here, hey Karen, guess what? The State Lily Society was at our hosta meeting, and they were selling their leftover bulbs. Oh, no. And they had Asiatic lilies. Did you get some for Grant? Uh, I Listen, by the time (laughs) I got there and got done talking to people... I bought one Asiatic lily and they were for two dollars and fifty cents. Wow! Was, I was glad to get that. People just flocked to oh, that area, sure. and they had the Mardigan lilies. They had they had lots and lots. So next year for the fall meeting, I was asking our friend Kathy Harum. Mm-hmm. I said, Kathy, I don't remember the Lily Society yeah. being here. She said. They're always at the fall meeting. Now They're always we know. selling lilies. And and they also have their own flower sale. So uh, we'll have to check and find out when that's going on. And you'll get some new varieties. Now, you 
mentioned the Mardigan lilies and I hadn't been exposed to those until we went on a garden tour over in Waseca. And yes. these people had it, you know, they had a lot, quite a bit of shade and hostas and things. And they had those Mardigan lilies, which are fairly tall. Right. And they sort of um, hang down like little ornaments from the top. They do. They yeah. do. But yeah. I planted them this year from bulbs. I ordered a bunch when they were on sale and started them in pots. And they are absolutely lovely. And I actually did get flowers this year. Sometimes it says it takes a while. Sure. But I'm going to be putting more of those throughout in my like wooded areas because they pop up and they just add this little bit of color and you just go oh look how pretty those are and they provide pollination for yeah yeah. they're just they're really really great give give the garden that height and like you say because they they uh they have uh they're uh sort of arching they sort of arch yeah yeah, they that's you know graceful very very graceful and they give the garden that relaxed look especially if you have a lot of things that are just uh uh more rounded so this gives it another dimension really great the other thing that uh, the speaker talked about was how in english gardens how they trick you your eye to follow the path to follow the the uh, uh plants that are being uh, shown there and one of the ways they do that is they put in lots of arches so that you as mean you, like the the wooden mm, or plastic or whatever it would there of maybe. course these were stone oh sure and 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 it was curved and and so you can just you can't see what's up ahead of you uh to the to the right and to the left Another but room. straight ahead yeah and that leads you on oh. so uh it was it was really 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 good uh a, a nice time it was fun just to sit and listen to someone talk about flowers when, when you he's, he's talking about english gardens right mm-hmm. in, in yep. like, eight of them what mm-hmm. kind of um zone are they are they similar to ours i wonder did they talk about that no he did oh i was it, just curious it, if it was no. they had different plants they could use and and you know they have a lot of they have a lot of shade and they they have uh, these uh, short rain rains you know mist in the afternoon and that and and this is really great but um they have climate change too so um bear that in mind now uh, he's also written a book with his wife and the book is called the book of little hostas 200 very small and many varieties. No, two hundred small, very small, and many varieties of hostas. I didn't know they distinguished them. I just thought it was many and then small. I didn't know there was very small. And yeah, yeah. Wow. Right. So, uh, how much smaller do they get? I don't know. I like very small, and I don't know if they'll get even smaller than that. And hey, uh, the display gardens up in Eden Prairie, which uh, the Hosta Society pays to plant and care for uh, received an award. They've been recognized by the National Hosta Society as a place you'd want to go and visit for hostas. So they got a beautiful uh, bronze plate uh, identifying that. Now where is that? Do you know kind of if you wanted to visit that? I can tell you exactly where that is as soon as I get to the right It's always great to visit other gardens because you get ideas. Yeah, so they're at 2017 Eden Prairie Road. And that is next, they're in the backyard of this cafe, which is the um, uh, historic Smith and Douglas House. And I have been there. They have a patio. They have a gazebo. You can sit out on the patio. You can sit in the gazebo. And you can look at these 
beautiful, beautiful gardens. And they've also added just several new plants this year. They added blueberry waffles, etched glass, fruit loop, Gabriel wing, shiny shake, and water slide. I th- Is it shiny shake? It's shimmy shake, I think. Oh, it's shimmy. Because, right. you know... Uh, Two when, M's. Yeah, because uh, our friend Kim Sogard, who works out at Edenvale mm-hmm. and is a, a Lillian Hosta grower, sh- that is one that she ordered when we had that special... When you belong to the Minnesota yes. Hosta Society, you can get special varieties for very reasonable, and that was the one she ordered, so that's always... Yep, familiar. yep, yep. So uh, if you want to... You know, get a look at plants, and every single plant is labeled. So you won't have to say, oh, my gosh, I'd like that, but I don't see a name for it. Or if you have a hosta and you don't know what it is, you know, take a sampling of your leaf, cut your leaf off, bring it up there, and match it up. It's, it's, it's a great thing to do. Hey, and you know what else? They're dog-friendly. Isn't that great? Meaning if they won't kill the animals if they chew on them? No, the the gardens are dog friendly. Oh, <laughs> they allow dogs. <laughs> I, thought you meant, I thought you meant the dogs go in there and they accidentally chew. They wouldn't oh. die. And, oh, and you mean the, that they can go in there? Okay. Yes, they can. And as a matter of fact, the uh, patio and gazebo is also dog friendly. So you can bring your dog up with you. You can have a little lunch up there, or you can have coffee, and just uh, you know you owe it to yourself to do that. So just a nice thing that we have in Minnesota. It's being advertised nationally as just one of those great places to go see hostas. So that's great. Now, um, on the local front, I have a question from um, one of our listeners who uh, raised garlic last year for the first time, and it went to seed, and they had these little seeds on top, and he decided to plant every one of those seeds. Oh. He felt he planted 500 of those seeds. And the question was, how long will it take from this little seed that was on top of the plant for them to mature and I can dig them and eat them? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to depend on your soil so very, very much and how you plant them. If you plant them too close, that's going to slow them down. It depends on, you know, were they in full sunlight. But I would say it's going to take a couple of years. I would, you wouldn't get anything this well, year. Well, here we go. There's a big difference between garlic seed and seed garlic. It says most people plant seed garlic, which are the bulbs, right? Yes, which right. Which is what we, let's see, what does it say? I'm just, I'm just going to look at this. It says... Uh, how many, how many, I'm guessing years, right? Yeah. Uh, let, I, I'm trying to hear. Each tiny garlic bubble is like a miniature garlic clove and is in effect a garlic seed. It's a long article. I'm trying to find it. So, hmm. I just know even, well, you know, though Harvey starts his onions by seed and he gets nice onions by the end of the season. Yeah, but I think, I think onions are quite it Different. says garlic grown from bubbles. The, the, the little yeah. ones can take up to three years to mature if the initial garlic seed was quite small. How big the bubbles are will depend on the garlic variety. Yeah, and that so, makes sense, too. So I've done three that. Three years. Th- these these bubbles, yeah. which are about the size, uh, a little bit smaller than a grape or around a grape yeah. size. Okay, so I've done that. And it's a couple of years to get those. But these little things are, you've seen how garlic and even onions will flower. And then you leave the flower on and then sure. you get the seed. But can you imagine planting 500? You just, I suppose it was like seeds and then you just kind of seed them out. Now, maybe what he'll do is he'll thin them out because we do that with garlic. Right. And also, uh, you can, you can, 
eat the tops, and when they're very young like that, you can dice them up and, and use them in salads or, or any normal way that you'd be using garlic. So, so that's one way to handle that. Well, I give them credit for starting them all from seed. I mean, that's, that's you must, called... If you love garlic, you know, but some people, if they have the land, they have the space and they have the time, they just love to grow things and, and they love a new challenge. So that's a good segue into uh, something new that I raised last year, uh, which were the pepita uh, um, pumpkins. And I on Sunday, I opened up carved the first pumpkin and took out the seeds, which was very easy to do. Did it ever get orange or did it always stay with little stripes? No. Because in the past when I've grown those pepita pumpkins, they they don't they never really turned orange. It kinda like had a, maybe a little orange tinge, but were mostly green. Bright orange. Absolutely. Oh yours was. Bright orange. And I wonder if it's because I grew them on uh, cattle fencing. So they vined up there. So maybe they got more sunlight and that's why they did that. So um, anyway, uh, it's very easy to get the seeds out of these. They're not like the normal pumpkin. They they have less seeds, but because they're a uh, they're a fatter seed, they're very easy. They're nice big seeds. Yes, they are. It, but they're not flat with this with this hole on them, and you have to end up eating the hole. After you take them out and take off the uh, the stringy part, let's call it, Take clean them up, then rinse them off and put them on some paper toweling, dry them off, and then you can add your olive oil and your seasonings. You can just use anything you want. You can certainly go online and you'll find, I used an eighth of a teaspoon of pepper, an eighth of a teaspoon of um, um, paprika, and um, an eighth of a teaspoon of cumin, and a half a teaspoon of salt. And they were delicious, Barb. Hey, thank she you. She brought samples this morning for us here. So, you know what, Karen? Eight people sampled them and said they were delicious. And I said, you know, if you don't like them, you don't like them. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Well, she, you came back and maybe try them again to make sure that I must like them. So if I try them again, I probably did like them. And I did. Yeah. It, and they're just something really nice. You could mix them with dried fruit. You could make your own trail mix with them. You could add them to salads. You could add them to your vegetables if you're serving green beans or anything that you want to add a little texture to. Just really, really good. 15 minutes in the oven. And they're really good for you, too, oh, health-wise. It, it, They've health, got... They are good. And, and you know what, Karen? After I cleaned out this pumpkin... Um, and the shell of it w- then was roasted. I thought, gee, I wonder if you can eat these. And I, we ate that part of it. We took off the, the orange part and the fruit inside and flavored it with salt and pepper. And who doesn't love butter? <laughs> a little bit of butter in there. And it was delicious. It tastes a bit like a Walt, Waltham squash. That's a butternut squash. Not quite that flavor, but there is a little... There's a little bit of a nutty flavor to them. Oh, it sounds good. So, uh, a, a good use, and it's a pumpkin that doesn't it doesn't get really big, so it doesn't go vining all over. How many did you get per vine? When I did my papita, I think I got maybe just one. I, I didn't plant very many, but I got one on the vine. I I had two okay. um, uh, plants, and I started them in my greenhouse. And I have to say, when I put them in the garden, because I was waiting for it to warm up and for it not to be so wet, mm-hmm. and I put them in, they did not look 
like great plants. As a matter of fact, I was almost ashamed of them. <laughs> but at this right. point, I wanted to try them. So I put two in. They greened up immediately. And I ended up with a total of seven pumpkins. Okay, so I started, and I, I have that garden out by the lake that didn't have a lot of really enriched soil when I first mm-hmm. did that, so that might make a difference if you have got better soil. Yeah, better soil, and I'll tell you what, I think getting them up in the air like that, I think they love that air circulation and and uh, that rich soil that we've got up there. Honestly, soil that has never been um, abused with chemicals, I have to say, I think that makes all the difference in the world. I brought home a dahlia. I had two white dahlias, and I got them from my neighbor, and I planted one up there, and I planted one at home. The one at the garden was almost six feet tall and had big, Mm. beautiful flowers on it and no bugs, whereas the one at home had a terrible problem with Japanese beetles, and it was small. And if you look at the texture of the soil, that was about the same. It just, I think it's that good air circulation and uh, maybe the space that I give it to, I don't know. But uh, it does, it really does make a difference. Uh, Air circulation, think about that. Don't put your, if you're thinking of a microclimate, don't put it so it doesn't get any good air circulation. And that's so true of so many. I mean, this year with the peonies, I had the the powdery mildew issue, and I had to cut all those leaves and throw them away. And you know what else? I've told you I've got that prunus tree with the black knot. Mm -hmm. We're going to cut that whole thing down. I mean, it's probably, I don't know if it's 17 years old, so it's pretty good size now. But that black knot is getting so bad that... And it's a fungus, and it's too high to get. I used to try, you know, when it was smaller, I pruned it out mm-hmm. so and threw it away because you don't want to. Highly contagious. Well, there's the not... spores will actually oh. travel to your neighbors, too. Well, so yeah. you want to be a good neighbor, and that's one that I re- recommend. You know, uh, we have a neighbor down the street from us, and uh, they had that problem, and eventually um, they finally cut it down and I just went and applauded and said oh thank heavens (laughs) yeah yeah, right I mean because it was such a bad thing to have in the neighborhood because the spores do spread and uh, the birds and the pollinators they track that those spores around too so there's no way really safe way to to have that and and not have it spreading yeah, so that's going to be something. I'm just going to bite the bullet and say it's a beautiful tree because it's got that beautiful burgundy leaves all season, so it kind of adds contrast, but uh, it's disease-prone. What can you yeah, say? So, yeah, bye-bye. I had a mountain ash, and it got uh, uh, fire blight, and I knew that. And one day, that whole thing with the mountain ash, with fire blight, it just it just dies in a day. It yeah. doesn't go gradually, and and that too had to be cut down and t- and taken out. It's sad because you invest time and effort into and money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right, and then that's what happens. But part of part of a garden's attitude, Barb, is that we say, oh. A new space for more plants. <laughs> yes, or I'd love to try this. This sounds yeah. really great. It's so. worked good for someone else. So, yep. Yeah. Always great to have you here, Barb. And you know, Barb will be in studio for a while. Or in the the you're right. Are you sticking right. around? So, if yep. you have any questions we had, didn't talk about on the air, give her a call. She's here at five zero seven three eight nine five six seven eight. Thank you, Barb. Happy gardening. Thanks, Karen. All right. It is ten o'clock, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio.